Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Int North Podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, a.k.a. Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, a.k.a. Null. Hey. Reed, a.k.a. Sick Robot. What's up? And Morgan, a.k.a. Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, uh, we will be doing our uh, variety pack slash grab bag uh, part two. Uh, so last week, um, what did I say last week? We do this every two weeks. <laughs> last episode, <laughs> uh, we did a mini topic that was brought by myself and Morgan. Um, and in this episode, it's going to be uh, uh, Matt and Reed's turn to bring the topics. Uh, so yeah. Uh, before we get into that, uh, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Well, um, for those patrons out there, you might know that there's a tier where you can pretty much just ask us anything, including, you know, possibly deck building advice or playing games. And we recently had um, one of those uh, events with a friend of the podcast. I don't think I can, can I say his name. Yeah, yeah, we've we've said his name before. Yeah, uh, Keegan. So we uh, he's a pretty avid Urza player. So we kind of went over his Urza list, and uh, we also talked about like the grindy meta. We built grindy games and played some grindy games and had a lot of fun. Yeah, we we did a whole like Thrasios, Timna, Thrasios X, um, like the the idea. Part of the idea was like trying to build the deck that when you know that you're going to that meta does the absolute best. Um, and so like, there's all kinds of weird card choices and, and interesting dynamics that play there. And, and so that's been a lot of fun, uh, messing around with that. And we're going to we keep trying to <laughs> work on that project, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, myself, I have been doing more testing with Brawl. Um, I, I was playing a game on the frog server and we did like a four way mono blue pod. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that was has now my that 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 game has now taken the the place for the longest game of EDH I've ever played. Uh it was 4 hours and 15 minutes of mono blue BS basically. Dude, that sounds like absolute hell. <laughs> and I ended up winning it. Uh so, you know, good good for me. Um <laughs> your deck your deck ran the the most amount of counter spells and that was Yeah. That That's was all the you need you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, well, also uh, Archmage Emeritus and uh, Teferi's Agent's Insight, you know, pretty good, uh, pretty good value engine. Um, it sounds terrible. <laughs> oh, it was, it was fantastic. Oh my god, dude, where's where's Steel Enchantment when uh, you need it? Right. Um, yeah, lots of fun there. Uh, and then I've got uh, the Mythic Qualifier Historic thing coming up uh, in a couple days. Done some testing for that. Uh, not quite sure what I'm going to bring, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. You'll, you'll find out by the next episode uh, how terribly I did. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> um, yeah, without any further ado, uh, let's jump into housekeeping. Uh, and as always in housekeeping, we shout out our new patrons. So, um, big shout out to Thomas S. And a big shout out to Stephen E. You rock. You are rocks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Patrons help you know 
fund everything, as we say in the end of the podcast. That's such a downtrodden statement. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, it's, well, I mean, it's, if you listen to the podcast, we say it. We say it every week, sometimes <laughs> twice. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, and and new developments. Uh, Reed, this is yours, right? Oh yeah. Um, so by the time this comes out, we either have put out the database update or are like uh, under a week away from putting it out. So either keep your eye out for that or enjoy <laughs> one of the two, whichever one it is. By the time this comes out, um, yeah. Why do I, I mean, feel there's... like you're just announcing an announcement right now? <laughs> I mean, sort of, yeah. But I mean, like, I want to be sort of timely on this announcement anyway. So you know. Yeah. Wait, but oh, you're thanks. just gonna announce yeah. the announcement without warning people that there was gonna be an important announcement ahead of time? Mm, sorry, yeah, I should have uh, <laughs> should have warned them last week that I was going to have this announcement. In fact, I should have I should have time traveled back to our first episode and then given an announcement warning yeah. of this announcement for every episode leading up to it. <laughs> and don't forget, after this update, there will be another update. Yeah, and I will announce no, that yeah, update. Certainly will be. Yeah. Um. I guess. Uh. Yeah. We're. I mean. Th- we're probably will have also announced. Um. The new reviewers that are coming on board. So we got a lot of um applications. Thanks everyone. Uh. Much appreciated. Having more bodies on board. Uh. Is always great for us. Um. Just because there's a lot of work. Um. That a lot of people can attest to, and it's just. The more eyes that we have on all the lists, the more objective it all gets, and the better evaluations we have, and the easier it is for the managers to actually put together an update every time. So thanks for the applications, everyone. Uh, we will be announcing the new members of the team then. Cool, cool. Um, also, uh, I don't know if we... we it's not on our, our new developments, but uh, don't you guys have uh, the commander the basically mlg pro commander league that you guys are uh are in right that not what's this mlc 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 mcl mcl what it's called mlc i'm pretty sure it's mlc major league yeah there you go yeah so uh yeah looking to be fun at the time of this recording we haven't actually done any of the drafting or playing games or anything but keep your eye out i'm not sure if we will have done the draft by the time that this comes out, or if that will have been public information, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Super yeah, cool. Hopefully, this isn't the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's been it's been announced. No, no, no. Uh, it's it's definitely public the, yeah. that it exists and is happening. I'm just not sure if we will have actually, you know, right, done right. done any of it yet. So yeah, it's uh, I guess uh, for just a description of what it is, uh, a bunch of content creators and big names in CDH are. Uh, participating in a league where they draft all the decks off the deck list database and compete. Most of the decks. Most of the decks. Yeah, and uh, and compete, and it's going to be like what, ten weeks long or some something insane. Yeah. Um, I hope uh, ITN can you know claim another <laughs> win. Just so good luck to you. Guys. No, no, no. I'm definitely. It's it's going to be a murder suicide. I'm just going to make sure Reed doesn't. Nice. Oh, nice. There you go. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna hate draft all my decks, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Cool, cool. First pick Burrells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ultimate hate pick is just to take all their favorite commanders. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm not even yeah, do we even I, I have, I'd... do we have Cheese Rush? 
<laughs> on the there's the like a, some similar decks but no there's not like that exact yeah I'm, what what position are you in the draft i remember i'm i'm, like, I'm oh, middle of the pack which i'm really happy about because that's I'm like, like towards the end if i it's, remember it's correctly. a snake draft and i think it's a four round snake draft so i'm super happy to be in the middle of the pack for that because it oh, means that i get mind. like very reasonable picks i think i'm actually much more middle than i thought i thought it was like 20 and change 17 how many people are competing so in that again? I'm actually right in the middle. Sorry? How many people are competing? It's like 32. 30. Wow. Yeah. Cool, cool. Okay. Um, so that's it for new developments. And on to our main topic, which is many topics. Too many topics. Uh, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's mini topic is up first. So Matt, uh, what, yeah. what do you got for us? Uh, so for my topic, I have chosen commander-centric strategies which has been a topic we've talked about doing for a while, but it's either hasn't been enough of, you know, a full episode or, you know, whatever reason we decide to, to choose off of it. So, yeah. Um, I know that uh, most, uh, a lot of kind of commander-centric players, generally speaking, are like devout players of their appropriate decks. Um, so I hopefully don't we don't offend anyone here. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck it, we're offending everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. come on, that's how we drive engagement. Exactly, right. no holds barred. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so our first. So we let, let's pick up on something we were kind of discussing pre-show, uh, which is how what what defines a commander-centric strategy. Um, which is sort of a fun one because we like everybody. I feel like. Commander centric strategy is definitely like it's a concept in CDH, and most people like have an idea of what they think of as yeah. commander centric strategies. But it's sort of it's sort of hard to to nail find. down the necessary yeah. the necessary and sufficient criteria for for a commander centric strategy. Yeah, so we have one of one note here, which is just uh because we we were trying to discuss like a model of of how we define them, and then we just have a note on our thing about the commander that kind of just busts that wide open. Um. But uh, I think a good place to start is what your your deck has to have a high percentage of cards that you know maybe not necessarily unique to your commander, but are run because of the direct synergy with your commander. Um, so you know a, a good example or a good maybe perhaps counterexample is like a standard uh, Thrasios Timna uh, consult list, right? Uh, there are some cards that are like directly commander synergistic if that's uh, what you're trying to do, like you might Seedborn Muse or um, Training Grounds. But a lot of what you're running and, and kind of what makes the deck good is that you're in the colors to run four color good stuff. Uh, so a lot, a lot of cards that have overlap with other decks that just run these staple cards. So that's a good example of a non-commander centric strategy. Um, and I mean, there's no really quintessential commander-centric strategy in CDH. There's not like the the most yeah. well-known list or whatever. But um, you can you can look at something like, uh, let's say. I, think, I feel like the list oh. that's putting out like kind of the best result is Najila as far as commander-centric. Like, um, I don't even. I don't think Najila is commander-centric. That's like a tough. That's a tough one. I think it runs think, uh, combo pieces that are combo with the commander. But the strategy itself is pretty um is pretty good stuff, right? I think yeah. Historically That's I mean I it is in that, five colors, right? Yeah. Historically I would say that like the two sort of most obvious poster children would be like Urza and Gearbug. 
Yeah. Both, yeah. Of, both of which don't just use their commander for a combo, but also, like, as part of their non-combo like gameplay. Game yeah. They kind of do both sides. Like, they are a commander that changes the card, the evaluation of a kind of class of cards, but it, they also change the evaluation of very specific cards. Kind of both approaches. I think Gitrog yeah. is probably more commander-centric, but yeah, I definitely agree with, like, Ursa being there. Because, like, I feel like Gitrog just, yeah. like, fundamentally changes the way that you play the entire game, whereas Ursa is a lot more about, like, card choices. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's still, like, pretty close. Like, they're very, they're both very commander-centric, I'd say. Yeah, so so one of the problems with, with the, the model I'm getting is that if you've got a deck where... So something like Thrasius Timmy, you can compare to um, all the, like, combinations of colors beneath it and, like, you know, oh, wow, this, all these decks are running, you know, um, Fierce Guardianship, and so, you know, obviously that's not a card that's, like... I mean, it's a card that reads if you control a commander, so it's, like... is It's not really a commander-centric card, but even though it directly synergizes with having a commander, because... Most decks are going to run something like a Fierce Guardianship if they have a cheap commander. Um, but if you get when you get down to like mono color, um, if you don't have a lot of other CDH decks to compare between, um, things get difficult because not a lot of decks are going to run the same cards. So something like, uh, um, let's say Godo, for instance, is, that might be the only red deck on the like core database, right? The only mono red? Uh, Read. Currently, yes. I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have, like, a good comparison to say, like, well, you know, um, let, me, let me think of a strange card. Like the, the closest thing right now would be, like, Magda. Magda is on the Brewer's Corner because it's fairly new, but it is, like, sort of, like, the next in line for mono red. But even then, like, you can go and check and the card difference is, like, crazy. Yeah, so, so, so Pyro and Reb are cards that are obviously going to be run in all these red decks, right? That would be a good example of cards that don't count as for the commander-centric. Um, and you could actually look that going up in colors because Pyro and Reb see play uh, above. But there's cards like, uh, oh God, I'm trying to remember, the Ricochet Trap is a very spicy uh, card that you can run in mono-red to you know protect your combos or something against counterspells. And that is something that you're not going to see uh, as you increase in colors, but that you're going to, uh, that's probably going to be common among most of the, the low tier red decks. So yeah, it's, it's not super obvious. One, one of the card, the card we listed here is Zer because Zer kind of breaks our model a bit. Where <laughs> most like any model of commander yeah. centricity, basically, as long as yeah, like as soon as you try to generalize rules, just because Zer is like the deck is just all staples except for Zer, which is a huge part of your strategy because it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> Shimmer Mirror doesn't directly synergize with Zer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So now that we know what a commander centric deck is, uh. What do you guys do? You guys have anything you wanna you wanna talk about about commander centric decks about whether or not you know they're good? Because I I have some some stuff I I could get into, but I'll only give you guys the chance to to go ahead first. Well, I definitely do want to say that like <laughs> I feel like commander centric CDH lists are more in the spirit of EDH as a whole, and yes. therefore have like <laughs> very strict adherence compared to people that just like play five color or like partner lists <laughs> like as was sort of mentioned earlier it's like it 
I, I feel like people have a lot more attachment toward their commander-centric lists than they do for any other thing. Also, like, not even just because it's like, oh, this is the commander that I like, so I just want to play the commander that I like, but also that, again, a lot of commander-centric lists tend to warp the game a bit, or, like, tend to warp the playstyle of the deck past just, I'm just gonna, like, play these staples, and I'm just, like, the game plan is the same every game, it's just, like, maybe switches depending on what, like, the general strategy or my win cons are. Um, and it goes past that and is more just like, okay, well, I'm operating now on a completely different axis than I would otherwise be with just, like, generic commanders. Yeah, I think there's a level... Uh, people generally like diverse metas, and this is not just CDH, EDH, you know, this extends a 60 card as well. If the meta isn't diverse, and it, it's maybe it's not because a uh, a deck is, like, a tier zero deck or something, right? It's not just, like, flash meta or... Um, you know, Eldrazi Winter or something. There can be times when, you know, I think this mostly happens in 60 card when uh, there's a deck that basically makes it so that certain other decks just can't even be, or like, just aren't playable, right? I know this happened a lot in um, Pioneer uh, with, like, the combo, their whole, like, combo winter with, like, Heliod and, um, yeah. like, it just made certain strategies completely unviable, even though those decks were, like, tier one. Uh, I don't know if I'd call them tier zero, but yeah, like it just completely narrowed the diversity of the format. Um, and that's something that people really don't like in CDH uh, and, and I guess EDH more broadly. A lot of the diversity is not just in commanders, but also in strategy and cards. I really enjoy seeing um, a variety of cards in, in, in CDH. It really helps. Uh, keep me interested and engaged. As, as engaging as it can be, I know and we were, we've been doing this with uh, Keegan, like Matt brought up earlier, this like Thrasios, Timna X, Mirrors. Um, it, it can be interesting in terms of like being a challenging puzzle and and, uh, and whatnot, but I, yeah, something about it, I think, just doesn't doesn't uh, interest me as much as, uh, as seeing all these these interesting cards and building into commander-specific synergies. And I, I think there, there might be... It's not just, like, people who are commander-centric, like, on a specific commander. I think there's, there might be a group of players that are just prefer commander-centric strategies overall. Because I, I, I'm definitely... I, I put myself into that camp. I enjoy Gitrog, um, building Baral, like I've played Godo in the past. Like, I very much enjoy yeah. building decks in that vein. That are playing a bunch of uh, unique cards. Um, it just yeah keeps me. I think there. I think one part about like one part in that regard is there. I'm not trying to say this in like a in like a in like a deprecating way or like a mean way, but they are like very consumable strategies, and they are like generally speaking, your game plan is a lot more straightforward, at least like primarily. Um, that doesn't mean you're not running you know a plethora of complicated cards like that you would in a non-commander-centric deck. I think that definitely adds to the appeal. Like, you can immediately evaluate, uh, you know, like, maybe uh, in the case of Goto, like, you can immediately evaluate that you're going to win the game when you cast this card, and you have very specific mana requirements. I um, think... Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I think what appeals to me is maybe not the... Um, simplicity of the play but because my favorite aspect of magic in general is deck building and not actual like i enjoy playing magic obviously and refining the deck building and stuff like that. But, but honestly it's 
deck building and, and theory crafting and brewing that's my favorite aspect and like i mean i don't i don't toil away through a bunch of different decks and just brew like you know, i i enjoy sitting with one deck and like really thinking about it and and doing things in card evaluation and if you don't have a commander centric strategy your brewing becomes a lot less interesting right you're you're basically like yeah. if you're going between um uh let's say Tasker, Thrasios Timna, Thrasios Tavesh, like the overlap on cards is, you know, very, very high. And the amount of brewing I, you're doing I, I I think is a lot agree. less. Sorry? I, I kinda half agree. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say like a non-commander centric deck is just, you know, reciting your best set of cards as much as like like it seems like that's kind of what you implied is like Deck building, you know, a Thrasios Timna deck is mostly just copying uh, a previous idea that you've had. Okay, like, so uh, yeah, that, that's not completely doing it justice. It's more like um, there's less individual card evaluation and decisions to be had because there are so many staples that you can run and just good stuff cards that kind of fit that criteria. It's it's not that there's none; it's that there's less, right? Whereas something, if you're playing um, uh, Urza or or Baral or something. You, you're something about the uh, your commander has changed the uh, aspect of the entire card pool, and you need to, you need you can do a lot you can go a lot deeper on scryfall searches to find um, like cards that are are actually with this new change. The fact that um, uh, you know Urza turns all everything into mock sapphires, like now now a bunch more cards that previously would be unplayable are now playable, or in Baral. Like reevaluating the counterspell suite because of the cost reduction. Like certainly cards just some cards just get a lot better. Uh that that kind of aspect. There's more of those decisions when you're uh commander centric, uh is what I would say. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um Yeah, I think another point I wanted to bring up was um I think we've talked a little bit about the piloting experience. Uh, but there's also the experience of the of the other players playing against a commander-centric strategy. Um, and I think it has like a very heavy effect on, especially when the commander-centric strategy is a threat, it has a heavy effect on um, priority in the game. Like It kind of creates this whole mini-game before the game even starts, where um, depending on which order you are, you know, away from the commander stick strategy you kind of just have a role assigned to you and that part i'm like not a big fan of uh yeah i just wanted to bring that point up no that's a good point i, I don't know if anyone else has experienced that but like it's definitely yeah. true with like certain decks where like they're commander centric in a specific way and that way is usually like the commander presents some uh you know, it enables some usually like more difficult to interact with than average win con of some sort. Where like yeah. yeah, it's it's like, oh well you're you know, you're the person going like immediately before the you know, the the commander that like if they untap with it, it's gonna be a bad time. So it's like I guess we'll just push it onto you that like well I guess you have to deal with this Gitrog monster or whatever it is. Um Yeah. Specific like strategies have specific yeah. answers, and also so kind of the player who is more equipped for whatever reason to answer those specific things, you know, kind of has to sacrifice their game a bit. So, let's. I mean, 
we've talked a lot. Does anyone does anyone want to say what? Let's just let's just do some some you know final things on this. I guess. Does anyone what what's everyone's favorite current uh, commander centric strategy, uh, or, or 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 deck uh, in the in the meta right now, or oh. one maybe that you're interested in the most? Um, I think we all said it pre-show, but Orvar. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely super into Cola right now. Deck's awesome. Does a lot of cool stuff. It like it turns an entire class of cards into like actual reasonable includes in that like you don't like play equipment tutors in like any other deck really because they're just not worth it enough. But when your equipment tutors also have a mode where they just go and get your win con then they suddenly become a lot better and it suddenly becomes a lot more reasonable to play like this entire toolbox. So, I don't know. Yeah, Cole's like... neat because it like, he very much changes the entire dynamic of like how the deck plays and also like how you're evaluating cards and such. Like you also, like you get to play like GTA because it's actually like a nuts grind card when you can find it consistently. Yeah. Um, like mortar pod as like a door killer <laughs> is sort of <laughs> awesome. Just like be able to cycle a zero mana creature and for two mana just ping off dorks. Sort of neat. Yeah, that's super cool. Morgan, I haven't even bad. I haven't even thought of GTA in like so long, but actually, yeah, GTA and Cole is actually oh nuts because like yeah. you first like it it just stops some decks from being able to do things as Morgan can probably tell you, um, having played against it a bit. But like also. Like, you just get to do cool stuff. Like, the base case is just, like, killing creatures and stuff, but the other cases are, like, you can use its counters to kill your own stuff to get cold triggers to bring them back and then, like, recast them. So, like, if you put it on, like, a recruiter and then ping off the recruiter and then you get the recruiter back and replay the recruiter, or, like, you do it with, like, a Stoneforge Mystic. So, like, you can use it as a grind tool and then also use it as a sack outlet for the Stoneforge that mm. tutored it to go get the Skull Clamp later. Yeah, yeah, it's got some cool put stuff. Put it on, put it on a dock side. That too. <laughs> uh, Morgan, yeah. yours? Uh, I think it's got to be Helen. Nice. It's just like so nice. many, so yeah, many parts of that deck that like, yeah, there, there's like the obvious, you know, okay, it comp, you know, you combo with Cloudstone Curio, Shrieking Drake is obviously insane, but just like some of the things that that deck can like take advantage of, um. I just find are like really interesting, you know. Like the, I think some of the first lists didn't have cards like Query and Ranger in it, and I was like, "What?" You know, <laughs> yeah, it's incorrect. Like, <laughs> seems yeah. like there's some synergy here. Um, and and yeah, like just I've definitely done a a thing where like you pass the turn tapped out, and then over the course of like the next two turns, your opponent you just like you go to having like three or four untapped lands by, like, you know, you bounce something with Kryn Ranger, you cast, like, a white main lion, you put out an untapped land, you, like, <laughs> um, and just, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that you get to take advantage of really well with his ability. Yeah, so I know I, I kind of agreed with Matt on Orvar, but, uh, you know, kind of, the, the one I'm, I'm most interested in, in dealing with right now is Brawl, and just testing all a bunch of different cards my even though i've like refined like a list down to you know 100 cards it's it's got at any given time you know i'm trying not to to completely neuter the deck with cards to test but like i'm i'm dedicating a significant amount of slots just for testing cards because i've got a massive list of cards 
um, so, that I'm interested so in Linda, testing. You know that if you're hurting, you can talk to us <laughs> instead of building Brawl. Dude, I'm having an absolute blast. Brawl is freaking He's in awesome. denial. <laughs> My win rate with it is actually really high right now, but it's because... It's obviously the the new the new deck unfamiliar deck. He's having delusions. He's feeling blue, guys. He's feeling a little blue. Yeah, dude. That's it's about time I got on the mono blue hype train. <laughs> about time. <laughs> I feel like you start Three on the mono late, blue hype four train. Years late at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, is, is it's late on terms of the Baral hype train, but like mono blue, yeah. like I mean, is, there's constantly blue new mono blue, blue stuff coming out, and it's it's you know I'm, I I think. Playing uh playing mono blue is is uh and CDH is you have to hate yourself just a little bit, but you know it's <laughs> it's uh it's so, you know what there's a bit of masochism in every CDH player. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. Uh, the one thing though I'm finding with Baral is that you you basically stand no chance unless you're politicking constantly. <laughs> you need to be. You you need to leverage uh, politicking a lot because your your deck is just yeah. yeah a lot a lot of the uh, the your, your if you're if you're playing like just heads down solitaire table police you're you're going nowhere you can't win yeah so okay, I know this isn't the brawl episode but what is the most nutty opener like opening hand with brawl like I just want to know in your opinion what are like the seven cards. Um, probably, um, turn one Baral, uh, and then I've, I've, I've had, so I've had two games recently where I opened, um, Soul Ring, and I've been testing with Strixhaven cards and Archmage Emeritus, and, uh, yeah, like, you, you need, opening a value engine, um, like it could be Wavebreak, Hippocamp, Archmage Emeritus, um, Teferi's Ageless Insight, and like a Soul Ring or Mana Crypt, like, that's gonna... That's gonna be uh, that. That's the nuts hand right there. Yeah, and like obviously some like counter spells or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> um, cool. Anything? Anyone have anything else to say on uh, commander centric strategies before we move on to Reed's topic? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just like uh, you know an interesting uh, puzzle with a lot of them. In that, uh, I'm trying to remember uh, where I read it, but essentially there was someone talking about evaluating evaluating commanders and it was like how many bad cards does it want you to run was like <laughs> basically the principle they were talking about so like the most extreme you know zer basically doesn't it wants you to run like one bad card and that bad <laughs> card is, is shimmer um but then you know uh a deck like you know vanifar <laughs> just wants you to run like Actually, all the bad. Cards. <laughs> which which deck are you player? gonna pick? I was waiting like 30, to know. 30 bad cards. Um, and you know, so like, I think one of the reasons that they, I mean, it, I think it does to an extent hold back some commander-centric strategies. That, like, in order to really take advantage of it, you are incentivized to play like just so many cards that really you don't want to be playing, and then it's like. Oh, I put in, you know, 15 cards in my deck to synergize with my commander. And there's a Draneth Magistrate, so rip that plan. Um, so it's always it's always interesting looking at commanders. And I guess, Lyndon, you've talked about it with your... What was, what was the term? Minimum effective package? Was that your... Yeah, yeah. The term you had for it of, like, trying to figure out, okay, how much... How many cards do I put in 
to make it worth it to play this commander over just something generic versus like how many cards can I put in before my card quality is so low and my deck is just full of clunkers um, is like you know a big challenge I I enjoy when brewing commander such strategies but is also like why I think they so seem to struggle in you know competitions and things like that. Um, I guess the I, my my final thing to say would be kind of restating a bit of what Reed was saying earlier on how they're kind of the spirit of EDH, um, and you know we, we've talked about this, or at least I've talked about this before with Draneth, and how when Draneth is in play and the way Draneth makes you think about um, your commander uh, and and your deck overall makes you it almost warps uh, warps things into like Canlander, right? You're you're playing hundred uh, hundred card singleton and without a commander, and when you have a com- like and and it's that's kind of how it is when you're not playing a commander centric strategy where your deck functions completely fine for the most part without your commanders and your commanders are kind of just the icing uh, on top. But yeah, I, I think commander centric strategies are uh, what makes uh, the format interesting overall. Which is kind of funny because the genesis of the format required you to play like commanders that <laughs> yeah certainly weren't building anything <laughs> no it's also like been a little bit when, when when new spoilers come out i feel like that's what most people get excited for is like the commander centric commander centric stuff it's also yeah and oh yeah the one the one thing i think commander centric uh uh or commanders that demand they be built around in the commander centric style are what uh lets you look at a new set and get excited over like random crap like no oh, no yeah. thrasios timna player is looking at archmage emeritus and like you know pogging out you know like oh my god this card is so <laughs> awesome but then you know you're playing uh brawl or, or some other um you know spell slinging kind of low color deck and you're like oh my god this is the best card i've ever seen in my life literal turns flusterstorm into blue ad nausea man it's uh <laughs> it's hot yeah cool, cool. yeah uh, next up, read your topic. Yeah. Um, so this one, nominally here, the name is How Deep is Too Deep Being Deep Through the Ages. Um, great topic name, IMO. But <laughs> really just, just talking about um, sort of the history of playing too many wincons. Because <laughs> it's, it's like this constant issue that I see in the format that like people just like want to play a lot of wooden cons for reasons unknown to me oh yeah um and it just it's a problem that never goes away and i just sort of want to talk about it a bit because i know we've like we've i think we've gone over it a bit in the past like two and a half years that we've been doing this podcast but you know it's just something that i sort of want to talk about also because there's a specific case of it that i have encountered a bit recently um with some more um, popularity on some specific stuff, so yeah, so I want to get into that a bit, but um, yeah, I mean, the big one for me and like differentiating, so like, if you if you are asking if like if you're asking somebody if your list has too many win cons or if it doesn't have enough win cons, first of all, it's that's probably the wrong question to be asking, but also like. You sort of have to look at it in a frame of like what your win cons past the first are actually doing because it's pretty easy to come up with a list with like one win con that's your primary win con. Um, 
But adding Wincons after that is really a function of, like, a bunch of different variables. And I sort of, in like, internally categorize them into, like, backup Wincons versus redundant Wincons, where, like, your backup Wincons are typically, like, either less card-efficient or less mana-efficient than your main Wincon, but typically, typically have, like, better, um better card quality or like are composed of cards that you're running anyway it's just not like something that you're primarily going for whereas redundant win cons are sort of on par with your initial win cons in terms of um in terms of like card efficiency or mana efficiency but like still have like pretty bad um card quality i think i think or like you're, you're sort of like forcing them into your deck where they don't really naturally fit I think backup win cons can also, uh, rather than offering higher card quality, uh, another thing they can offer is like higher uh, hate resilience. Yeah, like, like stacks resilience. Yeah, or just lower interactability. Yeah. yeah, like like I think the biggest one is you know in low color red decks, just like the dual caster. Uh, yeah, definitely. Thing where you're like, I'm playing World Gorgeous Dragon and Underworld, but like if someone plays Rest in Peace. Guess I better have this uh, this dual caster twin flame to like. Get the get the kill somehow. Yeah, we're like you're you're knowingly including this like win con that isn't as good, quote unquote, as your um as like your main win con, but you're doing it for a reason of like either you need it in case like you lose your initial win con or like if you can't access your initial win con, um you wanna be able to do this, or like just like can't play through hate pieces or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I do think there's a third reason, and it's it's not. I mean, it's not really CDH applicable, but when you don't have the tutor density, and but you do need high availability of uh, your combo pieces. Yeah, I I mm. sort of fit that into redundant win cons, just like for the reasoning behind fitting in redundant win cons into your deck, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah, just I think that... <laughs> where like redundant win cons in lower colors, where you specifically in like non-black stuff or like really non-green, honestly, because green gives a lot of access to win-cons. Um, in low colors, anyway. Um, like, not having access to tutor colors really makes it attractive to run, like, redundant win-cons, just so that you have the combo density to actually, like, draw into any given one in a game. Yeah, but although I think there's a big difference between running five A plus Bs and, you know, running five A's and five B's. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, definitely a huge difference. And I think there. those two get confused a lot. Yeah, like, and that's sort of, like, something that I wanted to bring up here. That was one of the main things that I wanted to talk about, um, which is, like, bean dip and how to evaluate bean dip. Bean dip being, um, like, Larry. usually used in the context of, like, high-color um, decks using a lot of different win cons. Um, they're basically just like shoving a list full of win cons um and having a bunch of different ways to get to a win um i think where well so one oh go ahead sorry. yeah just where like the way that people that like bad deck builders build bean dip is to like throw in a bunch of combos that don't have shared pieces and just call it a day like i'm just gonna play i'm gonna play razaketh and i'm gonna play hermit druid and i'm going to play um Breach lines. Like breach lines. I don't know why it is. Isochron but... Scepter and Dramatic I, Reversal and like. All I think that's like stuff. also like that's that's the level zero of bad like deck building. I think there's a level like there's another level above that that's still not like optimal deck building, which is including combos that layer, but um and and share pieces, but don't 
add anything or or do anything yeah um, solid so one so one that actually... i saw i've been working on um so like a, a an emery list with uh with some people or, or refining some of the emery lists that that we've seen um and what i saw in a lot of emery lists um or at least the emery list that, that we were working on was a lot of pieces uh and a plus b's or a plus b plus c that there is layering but you don't really want the extra the extra pieces uh, yeah they're like not you necessary you so the you don't need I think the extra mesmeric density orb, right like you don't need yeah, the extra well, so, density of wind cons yeah so so like mesmeric orb um i think is great in emery right especially because it helps you find your other combo pieces you can run it with like a fedo alchemist and, and basalt monolith fantastic okay good combo and then they're like okay well i'm running basalt monolith um should i run uh rings of bright hearth because that's what I saw a lot of lists doing, rings, running rings, some people running power artifact, um, and then it's like, okay, well, if I'm making infinite mana, uh, now I need an infinite mana outlet. So then you're seeing Just things like... like walking uh, Blister. And- <laughs> or or, or uh, I saw Staff of Domination a lot, and I'm like, man, th- uh, I, just cut cut these these cards that are not, um, not, not really adding anything, and make your current existing win cons good. Trim down on the package, and, and basically focus on on the good combos so this is actually this is uh like basically covers sort of this category of what we're talking about covers like the case that i wanted to get at earlier um that i've been seeing like a sort of a bit of renewed interest or whatever and recently um which is people building like nominally it's usually like jund or abzan decks um or like in those areas playing like razaketh right um, Razaketh, by the way, great combo. Um, it does a lot when you have green and you can, like, do <laughs> Eternal Witness and dork stuff. Um, Razaketh, I would highly suggest as a win con. Um, but... You generally don't need green, green if you have red because Dockside is... Yeah, like, Dockside is also just... busted, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> plus LED in a one card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Like, I would, like, Razaketh, great and, like, it's, like, I've been seeing this a lot and especially, like, again, Jund, Abzan, um, like, non-blue stuff that is sort of hurting for win-cons a bit. Um, but I've seen a lot of players in with these Raza lists, or lists that have Raza, or lists that have Razaketh in them, um, like, look at the deck and be like, I'm gonna play Protein Hulk in this deck, because I'm already mm-hmm. playing all this reanimation, and I'm playing this stuff, like, I'm playing Survival of the Fittest already, I'm playing Entomb, I'm playing, like, a Buried Alive to, like, put stuff in the bin. I'm just going to put a Hulk in the list and um, we're going to play this combo package because I need this stuff. Um, and I've had like a lot of time to think on this recently. And it's like, I didn't even, I, I guess I don't even need that much time to think on it, but it's just like every time I see one of those lists for me, I immediately have to ask, what problem are you solving by adding Hulk to this deck? Like, yeah. what are, what is the, goal what is the problem that you're trying to solve by adding hulk into this list because the like when you add hulk into these lists what you're doing is you're adding protein hulk you're adding a full pile which is usually up to three cards yes some of them can be like non-dead and you can use them for other purposes but it's usually around a three card pile at least and then you're adding in like usually sack outlets natural order pattern of rebirth to try to get it all to fit together um and like make the hulk package cohesive and actually be able to do stuff with it so when I see people, like, putting this all in a Razaketh deck, I'm like, 
So, like, what are you what are you trying to solve here? Because most of the time, if you're running Razaketh, your combo density is usually pretty good already. You already have access to stuff like, again, Sorrow of the Fittest and Tomb. Um, you usually have, like, semi-layered stuff with Reza if you're on, like, Dockside or whatever else. Um, like, you usually are good in that area. And the Hulk combo, is, like, sort of just, like, reuses a lot of the pieces that get you to the Raza in the first place, like the Entomb Reanimate. But also just adds on additional restrictions and just takes more deck slots. And then also doesn't get around any of the hate that Raza doesn't already get around, for the most part. Dude, it's literally playing around Praetor's Grasp. And for some reason, <laughs> someone like, Praetor's it's, Grasp it's you like for the like, exactly like Praetor's Grasp and like maybe Rule of Law. When's sometimes. the last time anyone cast a Praetor's Grasp targeting an Abzan? <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, wow. But, so, that... That, like, as a whole example from me, or as a case study in sort of this stuff, and, like, for the record, like, I personally, at this point, I actually just do think that I think you're, you should either be choosing between Razor or Hulk, I don't think they really add much to each other, because they just, they use so many of the same pieces already, and it's like, if you're already going for reanimation, you might as well just, like, pick the target and optimize toward that target, because, like, adding the Hulk isn't going to give you more in tombs, which is what you're usually limited on anyway. I feel like it's conceivably more right to add a Razaketh to a Hulk list than the other way. Yeah, potentially. But, like, so the Hulk... Like, if, if your list, for whatever reason, fits, like, Hulk fits in very well, Yeah, and you're already playing the reanimate, then, like, the Razaketh is, it's like, okay, you put in Razaketh, you put in LED, and, like, there's a decent chance you're already on E-Wit, because you're, you know, yellow yeah. deck, and just go where it's like yeah if you put in like a full Razaketh package putting in Hulk it's like yeah now you're looking at sack outlets now you're you know the advantages that you get to play like natural order pattern of rebirth rector stuff but then yeah you're putting that in you're putting sack outlets in like now we're talking yeah you could just put in sack outlets rector and pattern and just still just go for Razaketh stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like so the sort of point that I was trying to get at with that example is, like, really, I feel like the framing that people need to use when they're thinking about adding win cons to their deck or, like, taking out win cons, like, looking to cut win cons is you should always be thinking about, like, what problem am I trying to solve? Because if you're just adding win cons without trying to solve any specific, like, named problems that you can write down on a piece of paper and defend then, like, there's really no reason for you to be adding that win con. Yeah, agreed. I think a, a big uh, offender of this, too, is you're running LED for whatever reason, but then you put Bomberman in. Oh, oh God. Yeah, that yeah, that, that yeah. used to be a much bigger problem. Thankfully, it's died down a bit, but I definitely agree that that's, like, terrible. I think, I think evolution lists I've seen uh, still have Bomberman. Or, like, they're on Breach and have Bomberman. I'm like, what okay, are you I mean, trying I, to do here? I understand that more just in that, like, when you don't have black access to certain, like, particularly, you know, like, having a creature, an accessible creature wind con to go with your LED is, like, somewhat appealing, because finding Breach is a lot harder than finding Bomberman, or, like, finding Gorgok Salvagers, but, yeah, I, I don't, I definitely don't love it, and, I mean, like, I cut it from, I, I cut it from Razakats, and I haven't really regretted it. I I honestly think the the best maybe case study or like 
perhaps the worst offender is Thrasios Bruce lists that I've seen for Oh, those are sort of like the new bean dip in my opinion where they're just the, like, the thing all is combos you have so many like it, because you have your infinite outlet so hard in the command zone you have so many different infinite mana combos you can go for um and just so many things that layer it's it's yeah you need to this is the one where i think this is like the you know your final exam on how to optimize a win condition package and layer things appropriately so one i'm just not a fan of like the i think the birthing pod win condition package in that deck is absolutely awful no well wait what what deck are we talking about? well there's, there's a like, million different thrasios bruce like decks. blue pod i guess no no, yeah. no no but like blue pod is is a pretty different deck from like all the other or actually, maybe it isn't anymore. It was for a while, like for <laughs> like for, like for layering and birthing pod blue with freed from the real is is, what you, is that what you're saying? For a while, blue pod like was not playing things it, like it wasn't playing Oriox salvagers. It yeah. might have been playing like a dockside combo, but it and was like you could mostly act, you could play stats-y. like rule of law. Yeah. You could literally play rule of law, and then you just have a bunch of like creature based combos yeah you you, you can although i think i so the point the point wasn't about layering the layering is mostly for the other versions of thrasius bruce but i just have a, a thing against blue pod because i think <laughs> just, birthing pod as a win condition is terrible just just and the package and cards that you have to run is, are just terrible strategy. well but if you're already gonna play like if you're already gonna play like a yes on but you can play like yes on vanifar birthing pod and then you just your plan is to pod chain however you're doing your pod chain. Yeah, and then your pod chain cards are all terrible cards. And like it's uh, we're, let's let's not get too sure, deep but into this. You, like, but I'm I'm, I'm just saying a, I think that win condition is bad because your your cards your card quality necessary and, and like slots the, necessary to enable that win condition are terrible for actual, a win condition that isn't even that good. Discussion that yeah. <laughs> Lyndon's trying to have here though, I think. Since we got off track, is that like specifically for stuff like evolution list currently where you're you have such a wide array of win cons that are all roughly equal in power level for the colors. And like you have sort of a hard time finding most of them. Or they all have like reasonable trade-offs. Like it starts to be like a very real exercise in like pruning your combo package and getting it down to a place that actually makes sense. Yeah. Well let's let's honestly just walk through a couple of them. Okay. And 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 give our step by step um evaluation on why we think it might be good or bad to include that in terms of either the primary combo well, or layering. Just, God, there's so many, though. I know there's we, so many, but let's, let's, I think it'd be actually helpful for people because <laughs> there's a lot of, of things. So um, let's go... Uh, let, let's start with what I think is one of the, the, the better ones. Uh, I think Zerda Grim Monolith is one of the better ones. Um, mainly because each card is pretty good on its own. Well, I mean, Grim Monolith is not good no, in no. Assault's Black deck. It's base, not base alt amazing, is the no. One. Base alt Monolith is okay. I agree if we're talking about base alt Monolith, Wait, just because what? you can play it with Kinnon, Zerda, and then potentially Power Artifact if you want to play that too. Like, uh, see, I, I, I think the... Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't layer, personally, I, I wouldn't layer in um, Kinnon you know, on top of the... Uh, like I wouldn't go Zerda, yeah. Kinnon, uh, Grim Kinnon Monolith, Power Art- or sorry, uh, Basalt Monolith, package. Power Artifact. Like you're 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 you've got one A and uh, three Bs, right? Dude, Nick's Blumenshin, pretty good I uh, mean, combo with Grim Monolith. <laughs> also, though, like 
Kinnon is a very reasonable value card in that deck. Yeah, Kinnon is very reasonable. Uh, so, I, but the, the point, yeah, so, so the point was that um, pick out of, so here, actually, yeah, let, let's, let's, just, let's just stick with, uh, let's go with, with Basalt Monolith, or because we, we can then talk about evaluating all the different Bs. So you're running, you're, you've decided that you want to run a Basalt Monolith infinite combo, okay? So what are your options for going infinite with Basalt Monolith? You've got Zerda, Kinnon, um, Power Artifacts, uh, Rings of Bright Hearth. Rings, yeah. Like, yeah, so, uh, so many cards. Mixed yeah. but, yeah. Like, so <laughs> how do you pick, how do you pick which one you want and where to draw the line on t in terms of redundancy? Well, so, so I think okay. the so most compelling ones are Kinnon and Zerda, right? You pick Power Artifact because then you can switch to Grim Monolith and cut the base all Monolith. <laughs> 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 I mean, Grimmauld does go infinite with Zerda. Well. Yeah, yeah. I, so I like so Zerda is good because it doubles as a value engine with Thrasios, right? It's a more expensive so it, training grounds it effect. Your value engine with Thrasios. Like it's itself a, it enhances. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it yeah. cost reduces and, and gives you double activation. It's redundant your yeah. with your dockside, like traditional bounce dockside lines. Yeah. Um, so your your Zerda and then and Kennen obviously functions and, and similarly to Zerda where it enhances all of your mana dorks um, and then also goes infinite with the Basalt Monolith. I personally prefer Zerda over uh, Kennen because in order for Kennen well, like the, the base mode of Kennen when Kennen is a playing uh, both though like I don't think there's a world where you, like if you're on this and like this package you're not just like on both. No, I, I think it's reasonable to not run. Uh, both especially because you've got it's not that's might not be your your primary combo your primary combo might be a dockside combo or something yeah the way that you can like there are definitely plenty of ways of building this deck and i think there is a way where you would rather have um a biomancer's familiar in training grounds like you you would have you'd have the three cost reducers and then not put in um what's his name get in get in yeah um but yeah, so then in terms of Dockside, uh, so, so uh, I, think we, I think we can kind of say we don't like uh, Rings of Bright Hearth, we don't like um, uh, Power Artifact because they serve no other purpose, right? They are just extra pieces that go infinite with the combo piece, with the, the, the A. They're just other Bs, and the Bs serve, ha like the floor of the B uh, part of the combos there are, 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 are pretty, uh, pretty are low. Are you suggesting that Rings of Bright Hearth does not also enhance your value engine with Thrasios. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same, guys. It's not the same. Uh, for the amount that you'd put in to get a, a Rings rings doubling a Thrasios activation, you can get three activations out of a Zerda. So, yeah, you can compare them directly and then... Um, wow. Yeah. Linden is apparently too good for buy one, get one 50% off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dude, in this circumstance. Uh, awesome. So then there's another set of combos that these, uh, these decks typically look at, and that is Dockside. So Dockside is your A piece, and there's a lot of B pieces to choose from. Uh, some common ones, uh, I guess, used to be Team or Sabretooth, uh, moved over to MEL if you're doing that. Um, and then there's some more uh, fringier ones, which, you know, I, don't know I think are a bit better, uh, which we've got 
uh, Baron Master Wizard. Wait, you think Baron's better um, than got, Emil? I we'll discuss that in a minute. And then we've got <laughs> uh, we've also got Lord Dracus uh, and bounce uh, certain bounce spells. Uh, Cloudstone, Curio, yeah, uh, Curio as well, yeah, Curio. Death um, Elemental. I'm sorry, excuse you. <laughs> so, in terms of evaluating the bees on this front, I personally do not like Emiel unless you're able to get other value from the Emiel. Because on the turn you're comboing, um, the Emiel is going to be it's going to be uh, seven total mana. Obviously, Dockside provides you some mana, and, and you're able to go infinite, and it allows you to go infinite for less, which is the big advantage of Emiel. Uh, you only need four treasures to go infinite with Dockside and any Emiel. other bounce. It's the lowest, yeah. Um, well, I, no, actually, than, Curio might be lower. That. Yeah. Um, no, Curio goes infinite with three. Oh, right? Curio, if you have like if you're playing, a, if you're playing a Rograk list, I suppose. Yeah, but, zero. Um, no, the um, Dead Eye is actually lower. Oh, sure. Oh, true, true. Which also has the advantage that it doesn't target, so you yeah. can damage people. But anyways, yeah. Um. So the big problem I have with Emiel and uh, the Flicker friends is outside of, so obviously being the best uh, combo enabler in terms of mana efficiency, we can all agree on that, um, with the exception of the Deadeye. But I think the problem with Emiel is that there's, in these decks, there's typically not a lot of uh, ETB effects that you're really wanting to take advantage of uh, with Emiel. So the floor on Emiel is actually a lot lower um, basically serving only as a combo piece. Uh, whereas... Yeah, which for the record, I mean, like, if, if you're not building your deck with, like, a solid amount of ETBs, I'm kind of surprised. Like there, are, there, like, there are plenty of good creature ETBs that you'd want to play in a deck like that. So, so can you give some examples? And also, what you would like? Protect, protect stuff. Uh, Spellseeker. Um, uh, I would even consider um, Recruiters. Uh, I mean, well, we already counted Dockside. Um, I would consider, I mean, in some circumstances, I would consider, uh, yeah, I'm blanking. But it, yeah, I mean, I think you would play, uh, a set of creatures to, um, facilitate interacting with your metagame. So you could definitely put an ETB artifact destruction. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I personally think that. What what happens when you're doing something like that is you are, and this is something it might just be my personal style of deck building, but I, I I won't usually go for the most, I won't go. I'm gonna play the most efficient combo piece in terms of Emiel, and then you know Emiel at base is not good unless I'm running ETBs. So I'm gonna put in additional ETBs that I wouldn't be running otherwise. Like you're obviously running Spellseeker already, uh, and Dockside is the combo piece. But beyond that, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm going to put in an internal witness, which, you know, doesn't serve any necessary, if it's not serving a combo yeah. function. Um, I feel like this might not be also a great all the example because, like, Emil as a combo piece actually has so many advantages over any of the other suggested ones. Like, like assuming we're comparing to, say, assuming we're comparing to, like, Baron as our enabler. Yeah, there's, but there's, there's advantages. And so Baron's obviously, let's, let's just talk about Baron for a second then. Um, so Baron, uh, for people who might not know, reads two mana, sacrifice a permanent return target creature to its owner's hand. So in order to go infinite with Dockside, you need to be making six treasures. So two more than Emiel, which, uh, can sometimes be a big ask. Um, but the, I guess, advantage of Baron is that he's, 
he has more utility outside of um, the combo. So he's, uh, as Morgan pointed out, worst combo piece in terms of mana efficiency, but also in terms of like protection lines. But if, let's say, you would like to answer an opponent's, um, you need to clear a hull breacher in order to uh, actually go infinite, or a Linvala, or something like that. Or, or uh, you, you can use Baron to remove one. those. Sorry? How are you? You can't use Baron to clear a Linvala. But, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, would be sick. That would, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Opposition agent or, or something. Like it, it, it can clear some or a, a collector oof or whatever. You, you, you can clear uh, some pieces that might be getting in the way uh, in order to uh, progress with your combo. So you, I think evaluating what you want out of your card and, and the floor um, is important uh, for looking at these kinds of cards. And uh, I think we mentioned uh, Laura Dracus, or I mentioned Laura Dracus as well. Uh, which this one is much more niche than Baron in terms of what people... So Lord Dracus uh, is a, for one, a blue and a red. It's a 2-3 lizard beast with mutate for hybrid blue, hybrid red, hybrid blue, hybrid red. Uh, and when this creature mutates, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, and if and you so the combo... It with, uh, if you bounce it when it's mutated onto a dock side, you get both back. Yeah. And, and so the idea here is that Dracus... Um, this is a, a, probably a good example of something where you can layer on with, with a low floor. So if you're already looking at running something like Chain of Vapor, um, you know, or, 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 or Snap um, for, your, for Dockside, uh, Lord Dracus then combos with Dockside, Snap, Chain of Vapor, one, one of those two. Um, and the floor on Lord Dracus is um, just a you know, two-mana regrow of an instant or sorcery, which is a pretty good floor uh, compared to some of the other things, but probably not good enough to be the sole uh, combo piece. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of that one because it means you have a three-card combo instead of a two-card yeah. combo. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's, that's why I think the primary combo of that is, is bad, but as, as term, in terms of layering, I don't think it's the worst. That, that being said, yeah. there is, like, sort of an argument that... Uh... Like, the fact that you can, like, use a bounce spell beforehand and then, like, Dockside plus Dracus afterward. Um, the other thing I like about Dracus is that it's terrible, but it's also, like, yeah, it's still three-card combo. He, he, he also lets you do um, twister, fake twister loops. and Or, like, if you're not, if you don't have uh, an Eternal Witness in your deck, um, there's certain amount of combo pieces that you can lose, and then you'll no longer be able to loop things that can uh, do a win con. Uh, and Lord Dracus allows you to uh, do that. So it, it serves like a weird extra yeah. purpose potentially, but yeah. So lots of things to consider, and we didn't even touch on like, you know, some of the other combos that you can do in like Freed from the Real. Like a lot of these decks are already running um, Bloom Tender, Faber Welder. Good old big dorks. Yeah. So wh why, why would you or wouldn't you consider running Freed from the Real? I mean, it's just combo density, uh, honestly. Density, yeah. Right, so why, why, so what, what, what are your guys' preferred? Would, would you, would you draw the line at, um, like, do how many, how many combos would you run in this style of deck, and, uh, what, what cards would you include, or what, which combos would you include, which combos would you exclude? I mean, I feel like we, ha we haven't even talked about 
good breach combos that are kind yeah. of yeah yeah true like, i was true. gonna say breach, breach stuff yeah, yeah. I, i'm not sure that we want to get into everything quite honestly but it like this is <laughs> sort of i think i i i think that i have a hard time seeing a reason to run a deck with like with more than with more than two like more or less completely separate combo packages. yeah 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 um, like you might do, you could do two in, in certain contexts and then you might do like two and also something that layers in, like, for example, in, um, you know, in Shuffle Hulk, you had, uh, for a while you had three, right? You yeah, yeah, yeah. Rector, you find up Rector and put it on like a boom header yeah. or whatever. Um, like I wouldn't, that's not like one, right? Your, your sort of main shuffle combo is one and then that's layered on. So if you had. Had like a protein Hulk line, you had a breach line. I'm just this is not don't you have a protein <laughs> Hulk line, you have a breach line, and then like you put something in that just kind of synergizes with with pieces from both of them, and you know, like that that seems reasonable to me. But put, then going like, and I'm also gonna put in like some other completely unrelated, yeah, uh, line. Then like, I'm also gonna be gonna... doing this separate thing as well and have a rock package. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. One one thing too that's maybe worth mentioning for for layering in these things is that consider what your what hate pieces stop your combo. So it might not be wise to to do the grim monolith the zerta package with just the dockside package, um, because you're actually then weak to null rods. Um, both of your combos are weak to null rods. It might be worth considering having a um, the uh, freed from the real combo or like uh, one combo that I've been high on recently is like the Sigil Tracer Dramatic Reversal combo because um, I think Sigil Tracer is just a pretty solid card Wait, in what? Sorry, what do you mean? And you're suggesting that you won't be weak to Nelrod when you're trying to do Sigil Tracer Dramatic Reversal? Well, you can yeah. go through dorks? I mean, you can but at, like producing two in a blue group dorks is not like a a real thing that you can do consistently. Yeah, correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. But I, I think even even if that's like the worst, like I, I agree that it's more difficult than some of these other combos we've mentioned. But the fact that um, the the floor on on just a sigil tracer, like a value sigil tracer, isn't terrible. And it gives you uh, protection from, or allows you to still win through another uh, hate piece that that could be giving you trouble, uh, is a reasonable, or is a, is a decent reason why you might want to consider layering in a combo like that. Um, so yeah, I guess to summarize, uh, when layering, um, try and look at the floors of cards. Um, don't don't go into too many. Uh, uh, B cards. If you're if you're kind of limited with an A, don't go into uh, like you know three different Bs. Well, and, and so, also like actively make sure that you're trying to solve a problem by including more win cons. Um, yes, yeah. It, yeah. like it's. I I remember. Yeah, even even if like the cards are all really high quality, just like yeah, it, there's a point at which it there, you, it's just not worth it, and you're not solving any problems by including more. Yeah, I for me like the biggest culprit for that was um with Kazura and Ukima, everyone being like, 
well, yeah, you can play like food chain and a caster exile creature and then kill with Kazur. But you can also play Aluren and Cavern Harpy and kill with Kazur. It's like, I mean, yeah, sure, you definitely can do that. I'm not going to say that you can't. But, okay, what, what shuts down food chain? Well, any taxation effect or like a rule of law or something that stops you from accessing your commanders like a Dren Magistrate. Okay, what shuts down Aluren? Well, any taxation effect, or like a rule of law, or anything that stops you from accessing your commander. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that is communicated as like kind of a bottom-up idea, but often that thought process starts with, man, I really want to play a learn. Yeah, like, oh, actually, 100%. food chain kind of works well here, and then it gets communicated as, well, have you considered a learn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so make sure... Uh, yeah, not too many, not too many, uh, don't break the symmetry on A's and B's too deeply, uh, have a good floor on cards, and, uh, make sure it solves a problem, um, yeah, uh. But if I run more combos, then I can win faster than <laughs> Dude, uh, the best also, do is, is when you have, like, you pick some strategy, <laughs> and then you, your, your backup combo is just the, a more efficient non-synergistic yeah. like like honestly kind of breach falls into that where it's just way more mana efficient i was about to go the other direction <laughs> what, do, what do you mean yeah. why do i play palacron that i navigator lets me win faster <laughs> more combos equal win faster <laughs> cool does, any, does anyone have anything else to say on uh on layering how how deep is too deep yeah uh i'm I do have a comment, which is, I'm happy that this turned into the Sans Black episode. <laughs> God damn it, you swindled us. Awesome. Yeah, you know, we, we weren't gonna, we were never gonna talk about, you know, Sans Black as an archetype, but we will use it to illustrate. Yeah, it's a great deck example. Building wrong. Yeah. See, uh, yeah, I have that's, a That's the compromise that... we'll accept. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're done with our main topic, which means it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Gut check! Gut check? Gut check? Gut check. Ooh, thank you for bringing the energy as always, Morgan. Yeah. Um, so Matt had to step away uh, through in the middle of last episode, so he was not here for a gut check. So we're going to give him last week's gut check, and then we're going to nice. move on to uh, this week's gut check. Uh, so... Last time, Matt, the gut check was, what cards or cards have you always wanted slash hold a special place in your heart? Um, my answer Aww. was, I've always wanted to have a place at a Force of Wills, because, you know, it's just, when I first started playing, that's always been, like, super cool to, to have, and it's, like, something that I can't really justify buying, because I don't really have a, anything to do with them, but that's, like, that's been my mind. Cards that I, wait, a card that I don't already have? Or card. That you've always wanted slash hold a special place in your heart. So probably one you don't have, but it could be yeah. one that you already have that you have always wanted for a long time and maybe you bought recently or something. I generally speaking act on my desires pretty uh <laughs> pretty uh consistently. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um Yeah, I mean it's just probably probably just cards and decks of formats that I it could also can't be it could also be like a specific printing or like fancy version yeah, of yeah. Or something. masterpiece or something I, I always wanted a place out of leds and i did that <laughs> no no beta oh, duels right, matt you, you don't go. want beta duels is that it or? I, I, I actually don't mm. i wanted to play an oath deck i've never played an oath. i think it'd be cool to have a place of oaths 
Nice. Okay. That was last one, and now, uh, <laughs> this week's gut check. <laughs> um, what is everyone's? I don't like where this was going. What is everyone's favorite MTG snack? So oh if you're, <laughs> if you have to, uh, have a snack while you're, 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 you know, enjoy enjoy some some snacks while you're eating uh, to eat while playing Magic. Uh, what are your? Okay. Your, can we all just agree just that read, can, right? He's can we all just favorite snack? Oh, Correct. <laughs> can we all just agree that water is the best snack, and then move on to our second favorite snack? Yeah. <laughs> Water's not a snack, so no, I don't. Dude, agree. waters will do everything that a snack. Water's can a do, way of life. Better. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, preferably okay. Actually, it it fully depends. So, am I playing at uh like a Am I, like, snacking at, like, a table, or am I snacking sitting in front of my computer playing yeah, Magic? I can't have crumbs. You can, you can do my hands either dirty. or both. Okay, you want. so if I'm, if I'm at a table, I obviously want the greasiest thing possible to fuck with everybody's <laughs> sleeves to make them hate yeah. me. Yeah, like Cheetos, Doritos, yeah. uh-huh. that's, uh, you know, some chicken yeah, wings. A bowl, yeah. a bowl of pho, but you're just, like, slipping yeah, the noodles 100%. mad hard. Um, <laughs> as much grease as I can get onto everybody else's, like, anime playmats as possible, the better. Um, oh, um, French onion soup is another. Oh yeah, one great. Oh, yeah. yeah, nice. <laughs> like the splashing. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real here. The best MTG snack that I've consistently had um, has been David's just cookie drops every time he. Dude, <laughs> mine was also gonna be a Dave related one, which was uh, Dave. I, I, I you. We started this thing where he he'd bring like a sleeve of like salted like saltine <laughs> yeah, crackers, yeah. dude. Yeah. I fuck with that shit. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Wait, knows how to. Snack. Did you take oh, saltines and not triscuits? Who are you? What have you done? Honestly, you triscuits done with the are definitely Indian? more like crummier. Like you could definitely get away with salt, like by like going ham on saltines without making your hands. Also, of course, we've got to wash it down with the. Uh, the QMTG two dollar Coke, right? Um, <laughs> was it two dollars? Yeah, a dollar twenty-five. Dude, those were like the big Those were like the two can bottles. Yeah, I'd say because they were perpetually on sale for like three dollars or something for like a pack of six. I'd say probably my favorite MTG snack. I'd say. Maybe maybe not my favorite, but I think the snack that's most emblematic of uh of it to me is especially like at face to face grabbing a coffee directly before a round starts and then just like shoveling whatever's in my bag down my face <laughs> and following it with coffee as a snack. Um, Dude, the, be- the best snack is the, the meals you share with your friends before or after <laughs> exactly. meeting oh up God. for Magic Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to, uh, going to a- driving to A&C and then like afterwards every- we all go to grab a bite. Dude, miss that. Okay, the actual like, um, most snackable food has definitely got to be like some sort of hard candy, like, like Skittles. Like you li- they literally oh, make yeah. no mess. Oh, actually, no, I got it. Uh, Mike and Ike's for me. Yeah. My guys, like Mike's, solid. Yeah. By, Although, also side. like uh, the um, the LGS uh, near me is um, they're like a board game. They also double as like a board game cafe. They have like an LGS section in a board game cafe, and they have like a full restaurant 
in their thing and so they've got like all yeah. kinds of awesome stuff but you know just getting like a nice like beer or, or, or you know, yeah, I was gonna say, are they licensed? Because I was like whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get get some of that yeah. and like maybe some like pretzels or something to uh, to go with the the drink. And pretzels aren't that messy, so yeah. Yeah, pretzels are like they're definitely mechanically a very good snack for card games. The problem is that they're just like really not that great. Oh, fuck you! Pretzels are great. Okay, we're right. <laughs> they're like hard, they're hard pretzels. Hard pretzels. Hard pretzels. I mean, I was yeah. Hard pretzels are fine. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, if you put a soft soft pretzels are always covered in like something greasy. <laughs> what? <Yeah>. No. <laughs> dude, I just need Wait, I just need a nice yeah. a nice beer yeah, dude, you just to wash like down. I need I just need, I, need I just need a nice pretzel? glass of carbs to wash down my carbs, you know? Yep. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, we don't have any listener questions this week. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to hit us up with some listener questions, uh, you know, it's up in the discord i mean i can only conclude from the lack of incoming listener questions that we've been so thorough and comprehensive as a podcast that yeah. we have fully educated all of our listeners our, our backlog is literally questions. everything you could ever know about cdh at this point i think actually i think <laughs> actually like we just with the conclusion of the variety pack series we've actually just covered the entire depth of knowledge that is possible to cover yeah, so now we just restart, right? Yep. <laughs> go back, 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 go back, back to episode one. Episode one tier list. Let's do it. We have to do a remastered pilot first. <laughs> and then... True. Yeah. Another lost episode first. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntonNorthPod, via our email, IntonNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash intonorthpodcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, if you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo and to our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya.